When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question, has anything of note happened in the whole Josh Jackson saga since we last talked? Uh, No, everything's cool. Nothing's cool. Happened, you know, good to know. Happened. Well, this is your favorite ACC football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in all seriousness, the university concluded their investigation and said that, you know, he's cleared. So the school still hasn't said anything one way or another on this. You know, since I reported on it that he was suspended, um, since the beat writers reported that you know, he might be getting suspended or his status was in question. Um, you know, different beat writers said different things. They had varying reports on this. Um, the school still hasn't said anything, but Andy Bitter of the Row No Times was the first to get there. David Teal from the Daily Press as well um, also reported that Josh Jackson was cleared by the university. Uh, so he'll be able to play this fall, which is huge news for the Hokies because they've had enough issues this offseason. Uh, trying to tend to all the losses they've had on defense. Plus, um, you know, they've had Adonis Alexander. Um, you know, he's been ruled academically ineligible, so he's gone. Um, and they've had a lot of issues on that side of the football to tend to. So it's good to have your starting quarterback back in the fold here in 2018. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where the Hokies go from here. Um, of course, they're hoping to be able to compete in the Coastal Division this fall, which wasn't looking like it was going to be the case. Uh you know, obviously, when I reported on this and, you know, there was all this uncertainty surrounding Josh Jackson. Yeah, it, it's been an interesting saga to, to kind of follow. And we talked last time and it was like being in the offseason and being that we don't have practices or games going on. Like it's it's going to be pretty hard to tell what comes of this or what happens. And so there have been reports coming out saying that nothing's going to come of it and everything. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, you said the school said something about it. Um, school so has I, not school has not said anything about it. Oh, uh, uh, um, okay. At any at really at any point. Um, hmm. you know, I I issued my report going on two weeks ago, and the response I got from the school when I reached out was, you know, we we don't have comments on the status of any of our players at this time. Uh, that's what I had literally in an email <laughs> from the sports information director at Virginia Tech. So they were. They had no interest in commenting on it at the time. They still haven't commented on it, even with the report saying that he's been cleared. They hadn't reported on it or um, they hadn't issued a statement on it at any time between the two reports. So who knows what actually happened? It's such a private matter when you're dealing with the students' academics, um, you know, as far as state privacy laws are concerned with the university. It's very difficult to gauge what exactly happened um, and how the actual um, academic process went uh, when they were investigating whether or not Josh Jackson would be eligible, not only to return to the team, but just remain a student at Virginia Tech. That was very much in question. So you never know how these things actually play out from start to finish. Um, I had a report. Beat writers had varying reports. Whatever it was, it was serious enough where Jackson's status was obviously in question. He has since been cleared, and that's huge news for Virginia Tech. That's the bottom line. Mike, if, I think I don't know if we've talked about this on air before, but if I'm not mistaken, you you were raised Catholic. Are you still practicing Catholic? I am Catholic, yep. Okay. I, I myself was also raised Catholic. I bring that up because this reminds me of like the, the papal elections, right? 
Like we're sitting here, we got people that have sources on the inside, but nobody's actually officially announcing anything. And we're all just waiting on the white or the black smoke to come out of the chimney. Like, is he playing? Is he not? Is he eligible? Is he not? Is he on the team? Is he in school? Who is he? I, you know, we're, we're kind of at the mercy of whatever insiders are telling us. And that's people telling you what's people telling, uh, you know, anybody else. Right. So like we talked about in the last time, there's a chance that you got bad information. Right. There's a chance. There's a chance that others got bad information. I mean, that's just the nature of the game and, and the, what we're talking about. Um, and so I we're going to have to wait. Basically, I, I think there's two ways that this officially ends. And it's either a the the team and program announcing something like Josh Jackson is no longer with the program or B nothing is announced. But we just start seeing reports of him in practice and him in games. That, that's the only way that you get a, a hard, you know, solid resolution at this point. Um, and I mean, at that point, like we just talk about it, it is what it is. Like it, this isn't you trying to make a name for yourself and, and, and make some stuff up to get some attention. Like if you got bad information, you got bad information. And that, I mean, it is what it is. So I, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, and I'd say um, to add on to that, now I think part B of what you just said is most likely the university never says anything. They never issue an official statement on this, and they kind of proceed as if nothing ever happened. That's what I think is most likely to occur, just because we haven't gotten a statement throughout the entire process from the university about the status of Josh Jackson one way or another. Um, like I mentioned, you know, I had a report, beat writers had varying reports, Um that, of course, Andy Bitter from the Roanoke Times and David Teal from the Daily Press, they had a report saying he's now eligible. These are all source-based reports, and the university throughout this entire process hasn't said a word. Um, so you're wondering now if the athletic department will ever say anything. My guess is probably not. And like you said, they'll just proceed and you know he'll be seen in practice and he'll be in games and then all is good and everybody moves past this. Um, there's a chance that, A, I got bad information, like you mentioned. Or part C, that circumstances, you know, really just changed. And that's what it came down to. You know, I had a report. Kind of resolve themselves. And, and right, exactly. I had a report that stated what the circumstances were going to be at that point in time a couple of weeks ago. And since then, the university process yielded something that, you know, may have revealed something a little bit different about the situation that wasn't at hand, um, you know, when I spoke to two separate sources on this. So there's that too. Um, so there are a variety of ways that this ends up playing out. Uh, bottom line is it looks like Jackson's going to be the starting quarterback for Virginia Tech. And if you're a Hokies fan, that's huge news. Um, a guy who started all 13 games for the Hokies last year, a little bit of an up and down year, but was really solid for the first half of the year. Got pretty banged up in the Miami game. He was dealing with a foot injury, um, a, a, a minor knee issue and a pretty serious shoulder issue. Um, so he was he was hurt for the latter half of the season and the bowl game when he really struggled. So, you know, I think Jackson coming back fully healthy is huge for Virginia tech. And I think he proved last year, even as a redshirt freshman, that when he's healthy, he has the potential to be pretty darn good. And I think that's, that's the good news for the Hokies moving forward, especially, um, you know, given that they have Florida state in the opener, they have Notre Dame and Miami next year, and they got tough games throughout the schedule. Still, you know, they, they play a Georgia tech team that should be improved. You know, they play Pitt on the road, which is never an easy game for Virginia Tech. So there are a lot of games on the Hokie schedule that could trip them up, especially if you don't have Josh Jackson, a quarterback. So now that he's back in the fold, I think the Hokies do have a chance once again uh, to compete in the Coastal Division. I saw an article on this, Mike, and, and one of the comments that they made was, you know, Josh Jackson uh, should be back with the team. Now, to be fair, he hasn't been named the starter yet by Justin Fuente, uh, you know, he, he's still in competition with all these other guys, which I just thought that that is adorable. Uh, it, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Josh Jackson is Virginia Tech's starting quarterback going into 2018. Now, you know, early game performance, you know, if that's not going great or whatever, I mean, maybe that changes things. Who's to say? But with what he did last year as a freshman and, and what he's got challenging him on the depth chart, I, I think it's pretty obvious that naming him the starting quarterback is a formality at this point. Uh, and, and that's the guy that Virginia Tech's going to start with. Yeah, and uh, our buddy Cam Underwood from State of the U, I think he can relate to this a little bit. You know, I feel like fans are always looking for the next best thing at quarterback, right? So it was easy for the fans to, A, root for Josh Jackson for the majority of last season, but then turn on him so quickly after he was banged up and didn't play as well. 
Everybody's calling for Hendon Hooker, who hasn't taken a collegiate snap. They're calling now for Quincy Patterson, a true freshman who was an Elite 11 prospect, um, a four-star quarterback who literally just stepped on campus two weeks ago. Um, they're, they're calling for him to be the starting quarterback this fall. So it, it's pretty funny. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for the entire fan base when I say this, but you know, there, there are certain groups of people that believe that Josh Jackson is not the best option at quarterback for Virginia Tech, just like there are groups of, of the Miami fan base that believe that Malik Rozier is not, the, is not the guy for the starting quarterback job. In my opinion, Malik Rozier is not the is not the best option at starting quarterback for Miami, but I believe that Josh Jackson is for Virginia Tech, just given the youth and inexperience behind him. So, you're always going to get uh, conflicting thoughts and feelings, especially with the quarterback position, because they're front and center in every game, and they have control over ever almost everything that happens. They touch the ball on every single snap, so you're going to get that. Um, and fans, I think, need to be a little bit more patient with it. And this doesn't go just for the Virginia Tech fan base. It goes for fan bases, not only in the ACC, but across all of college football. Like these are kids at the end of the day. Um, you know, you need to be patient with with these kids when they're, um, you know, when they're going through some struggles here or, or if they're a little bit banged up. So I think that's something to take into consideration as well. You ready for a uh, professional transition here? Here we go. Kind of what you're referring to, Mike, there's an old adage that says that the best player on any given team is always the backup quarterback. Who's the best player on Virginia's team, Mike? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know because there are only, what, like 27 good players? Uh, depending on who you ask, specifically if you ask Bronco Mendenhall, that might be about what he told you, yeah. Let's go with the full quote, Joey. If we have it. Uh, I believe the full quote is, quote, I believe we have 27 ACC caliber football players on our roster today. He told via the Daily Progress. Now, Mike, I believe this was, and if I'm not mistaken, this was Mendenhall talking to like a, a booster club or something. And in fairness to him, this is one of these things where a coach is supposed to be able to get out in front of like a group of boosters and people that can keep secrets and stuff. And sometimes people can't keep secrets. Um, so sometimes the quotes get taken out of context from those kinds of sessions. Uh, I, I, you've heard it happen on God knows how many coaches in the past, Steve Spurrier, Les Miles, who knows? I mean, people say stuff in front of boosters all the time. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo <laughs> Fisher. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, but to be fair, like this is also not a great look, especially considering we're going into year three of the Mendenhall era. So he's recruited, you know, somewhere around half the roster. If we're saying that you've got barely a full 22 starters worth of ACC caliber players, that's that's not ideal. No, not great. That means he's not recruiting well, and he's admitting that he's not recruiting well, um, you know, which is something that we can all see with um, the classes that he's brought in so far. That's the one thing we thought would be a problem with him when he came over from BYU. We thought, okay, the fit as a coach is probably pretty good, but he's never recruited this region before here on the East Coast. I'm going to read what uh, Streaking the Lawn, the SB Nation UVA blog, uh, had to say about this. And it oh, was – they were basically saying, hey, like, look, he's his, he's being a little bit misconstrued here. Uh, so here's here's the quote from Streaking the Lawn. Uh, streaking the Lawn. The current 81-man roster does not account for the outgoing senior class that included two NFL draft picks and another first-team All-ACC performer. It does not include any of the three incoming transfers with Big Ten backgrounds, nor does it include 17 members of the incoming freshman class, 10 of whom who have a 24-7 sports composite rating of 84 or higher. Once those players are accounted for, Mendenhall believes the number of ACC caliber players will be in the mid-40s. Now, Mike, I don't know if you're an old wrestling guy, but there was an old Scott Steiner preview where he was adding up percentages on likelihood of someone to beat him and how to, you know, they were going to win or whatever. And he came out with like a 167% chance of winning. This is what this quote reads like to me a little bit, Mike, because I'm not sure how the numbers check out in all this. The current 81 man roster does not include the, the senior class or the incoming class or like the transfers. How do you get to 81 people? Does that include walk-ons or what? I have no idea how they even get to that number, um, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's typical UVA. I mean, at this point, you know, they're essentially losing count. 
Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it's it's probably not unlike them losing count to the fact that Virginia Tech's beaten Virginia 14 straight years in football or going on 14 straight years here as we head into the fall. Um, you know, they'll skew numbers however they have to, uh, I guess. It's just, you know, when your coach comes out and says that, it, on the surface, it's just not a great look. I mean, I don't care how you spin it. When he says that he only has 27 ACC-ready players on an 80-man roster, he's essentially saying that close to three-quarters of your roster is not ready to compete in the conference. Um, that's just not... I don't care how you dice it. It's not a good look. I mean, this kind of brings us back to the question, Mike, of who who are the best players on Virginia's roster? Um, and... and my concern is this, I mean, this is what we have talked about, right? Is that the best players at Virginia for the Mendenhall era have been guys that just left. Kirk Benkert was a senior. He was a pretty serviceable quarterback. They had three, you know, pretty dominant players on defense, all of whom just left and went to the NFL. Like this team has been driven by guys that Mendenhall did not recruit and their recruiting rankings have taken a significant step back from what Mike London was pulling off there in Charlottesville. And that's, that's my problem with really believing that this Mendenhall thing is going to turn into anything. I think that what you're probably seeing is that Mendenhall built a successful program at BYU, which has uh, pretty much nothing in common with Virginia. Let's go with that. Um, they are in a completely different part of the country. They are a completely different university, just top to bottom. There is like nothing that you have consistent to recruit for there. And so thinking that Bronco Mendenhall and what he had built at BYU is going to translate successfully to Virginia has never made sense to me. I've still not seen it. I think they lucked their way into six wins last year. I'm not convinced that they'll get back to ball eligibility before they look for a new coach, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they go to a bowl game last year, they get blown out, right? Um, they have a roster that's not returning many key contributors on either side of the football. So that's going to be a problem. They have a schedule where they can theoretically get to six wins. The issue is that they need to be perfect against UNC, Duke, Pitt, you know, and they have to pull off a couple of upsets, which you don't really expect out of Virginia. It's one of those things that, you know, when looking at Virginia, and, and like you said, you mentioned how different recruiting at BYU and, and coaching at BYU is from Virginia. The difference, the only consistency, rather, in, you know, recruiting at BYU is the fact that you're recruiting Mormons, right? I mean, that's a key, you know, call it what it is. I mean, that is a key cog in the recruiting there at BYU. It's the religious restrictions that come with playing at a Mormon institution. Um, so th that's completely different. He's now stretching to a part of the country where, look, most Mormons are in Utah, right? It's just, that's where they are. He's used to recruiting in the state of Utah. He comes across the country to an area where he's not familiar at all. He has never recruited the East Coast well. And now he's coming to Virginia where, you know, as a university, their pipeline, theoretically, was in the state of Virginia, Newport News. Um, they stretch into North Carolina at times, but the majority of their recruits come from in-state, and not a lot of in-state recruits want to play Virginia right now. So it's a huge conundrum. He's not recruiting well. Mike London was a great recruiter but couldn't coach. Now you have a guy who can theoretically coach but can't recruit. It's a circle. Um, mm -hmm. It's a problem that UVA is going to have to deal with here for a while, I think. And the hesitation, too, real quick, Joey, is that UVA is in this weird spot where what are your options? Like, are you going to, are you going to fire Bronco Mendenhall? Cause if you do that, he's only been the coach there three years. What kind of message does that send to, you know, any sort of small recruiting headway that he's made on the trail? Right. And then what is, what kind of message does that send to the next guy who's coming in to replace him? If the leash is that short. So Virginia is in this weird spot. They've been in this spot for a while. They probably waited too long to fire Mike London. And now if they struggle again this year, they might let Mendenhall go just because the success hasn't been there on the recruiting trail. 
it's just a very awkward position for Virginia to be in. And I think, honestly, it stems from holding on to London too long in the first place. I think that's really what got them into this mess because I think now they, they'll have a tendency to potentially pull a quick tr- trigger on Bronco Mendenhall before he can really get a few good recruiting classes in there to really help this program out. The other thing that I'll mention, too, that you, you talked about the the Mormon aspect of BYU and how that's, you know, there's a heavily concentrated Mormon population in Utah. It's that, but also the the heavy religious affiliation allows you to recruit nationwide and even beyond, right? They He made a lot of hay at BYU recruiting out of Hawaii, recruiting out of Samoa, recruiting out of various parts of the country where there's a strong religious affiliation with his university to where the fact that you're in the Southeast is not as much of a barrier to taking you to Utah. If it's, Hey, this is the, the university sponsored by your church, by your, your religion. Right. So that, that's one other thing that he had more of a national connection through that aspect of the school that Virginia doesn't have. Virginia is just a, a school, a really good school, you know, but on the East coast and that's it, right. You, you've got to kind of recruit out of that, but, I can solve your problem, Mike. I can solve, well, not yours, but I can solve Virginia's problem. Solve it. Ken Niumatololo. I like that. Think about that. I like that. This solves the problem because, A, he's at Navy, which is not far from Charlottesville. So he's already got something of a local base. Now, Navy should also be recruiting nationally. So it's a little bit of the same thing in that way, but not as big a deal. B... It's a scheme that he runs that has shown that it can be successful in the ACC. <laughs> Georgia Tech. Hello. Um, but on, on, on that note, see the thing that Georgia Tech, I think, has gotten away with, or we'll say not gotten away with, but um, has benefited them for sure, is that they are unique in the ACC running that scheme. The reason that that would not be as much of an issue at Virginia is if they went and hired Ken Niamatololo, Paul Johnson's on his way out. Paul Johnson's not far from retiring. And depending on who you talk to in the Georgia Tech fan base and and in the booster club and in the the administration, it's kind of up to up up for discussion on are they going to keep the triple option, you know, spread option thing going or are they going to go to someone, you know, completely different or or even somewhat different? Um, You know, so just for what that's worth, right, is – there's a good chance that if if Virginia were to go triple option in the way that Georgia Tech did 10 years ago, uh, they still might be about the only team doing it, you know, given only another couple of years, right? So that's my thought on how you you fix this if you're Virginia. You've got to do something different, contrarian, right, to to break up the norm. And then, you know, you, you, you've got that going for you. Plus, you've got someone that's a little more local that knows the area, knows the landscape and, and can get your recruiting going. And it's a scheme. And and real quick, too, it's a scheme that doesn't really require you to necessarily recruit four and five star talent, right? And UVA is not in a position now where they can compete with Miami and Florida State and Clemson and Virginia Tech, pulling in the four star talent primarily Mm -hmm. and then some five star talent. Like UVA is not in that position and they're not going to be in that position. And if you hire Niamatuolo, you bring him in, you run a scheme much like Georgia Tech runs, proven success in the ACC, the, the ability to run that option. And you don't necessarily need to bring in these ridiculous recruiting classes. You just have to find guys who fit the scheme and that work within the offensive system. And I think it can be successful at UVA. So I like that idea. I mean, Paul Johnson has kind of struggled to consistently recruit at a top 40 level in the country, and they've pretty consistently been able to win seven, eight, nine games in, in several seasons under him. Could work. You never know. No no other Power 5 team has made that leap. We thought Arizona might. We thought Oregon State might, but neither of them have. Real close at Arizona, I thought. Um, didn't end up working out. But and their quarterback got in the way. That too. Be cool, Khalil. Yeah. Mike, let's move on. We, we, we talked about there was a, a weird statement made also by a Virginia commit, but I think because we've solved Virginia's problems for the time being with uh, the Kendi Matalolo hire, we maybe just move on? Yeah, let's move on. Let's do it. Because we got to finally pay off this tease that we made a couple weeks ago. Uh, for Andrew Parker had a couple of pretty great questions for us that we need to dive into here a little bit. 
He so Andrew Parker. It sounds like he is uh, in Europe right now, and I don't know if he's studying abroad or working abroad or if he just lives there. Uh, Andrew, please send us a uh, a a good status update on kind of how this all came to be, and we're happy to share with the audience. However, uh, for for what it's worth, he had two great questions, and the first one we'll start with. Andrew asks, here's a topic, the most tortured conference team. So in, in the ACC, Mike, who, which team and or we'll say fan base is the most tortured by that team's track record? So Andrew proposes NC State. That's something else that I, I teased last week a little bit. He says, here's why. Torrey Holt, Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Mario Williams, Manny Lawson, Mike Glennon, John McCargo, Tank Tyler, Stephen Tullock, Jericho Cotri. That's just a list of 10 players who left NC State and actually went on to become legit NFL starters. How can one college team have that type of talent but never actually win a conference championship and never finish second in the conference? Is that fair? I think he's kind of made the argument for us that's NC State. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to have a lot of trouble really picking anybody else other than NC State. Um I mean, they have the track record of the players, really solid players. You named, you know, you hit on the big ones there. Um, they've never won a conference championship, which is extremely surprising, uh, considering the talent that they've had come through there. Um, That's like fact check worthy. It is, too. And it doesn't even really take into consideration the players that have just gone to the NFL with like Bradley Chubb, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, they had Jalen Samuels, who was a very dynamic player. I mean, they've had a lot of talent there at NC State, and they haven't been able to get the job done uh, as far as competing for uh, competing and winning a conference championship. They've had teams that a lot of people expected to compete. I mean, a lot of people expected, including us, expected NC State to be pretty good last year, and they were. Um, they just couldn't get over the hump against a team like Clemson um, and, and really compete there in the Atlantic, but they were a really solid program and have been a pretty solid program for the majority of their time in the ACC. They just, for whatever reason, luck and otherwise, haven't been able to get over the hump. I'm going to have a hard time picking any team other than NC State, to be honest. So slight fact check here, Mike. NC State actually has won seven ACC titles. All right. Who would you guess was the president of the United States the last time that NC State won a national title or a conference championship? Oh, boy. Um, Kennedy. Incorrect. Okay. I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. Their stadium is named after him. Uh, NC State's stadium is Carter Finley. Carter. Jimmy Carter is correct. Wow. Actually, that's, that's not true. They're not named after him, but yeah, but it, close enough. Carter's in the name. You know? <laughs> I'll take it. Cousins with Vince. 1979 was the last conference championship that NC State won, which to Andrew's point and to your point, unbelievable. Follow-up um, question, Joey. Yes. What year is it right now? Uh, let me double check. Uh, carry the one. Uh, is the year of our Lord 2018? Yes. So uh, let's do a little bit of quick math there, Joey. It's been almost 40 years. Oh, man. Since NC State has won a conference championship. So NC State's most recent conference championship is about to have an over-the-hill party. They are. Yeah, they are. And we're both invited. So mm. forgot to tell you about that. I'll be there. Yep. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, I, I was thinking about this before we came on, and I have actually one counter argument that I'll, I'll add um, as to why there's maybe another team that belongs in the discussion. Notre Dame. No, actually. I, although it is one of your teams. It's actually it Virginia, Virginia Tech. Okay, fair. I, hey, okay. I would, I would argue that the Virginia Tech fan base is a little bit of the uh, Atlanta sports version of the ACC. And the reason I say this is that as Frank Beamer really built up a really highly successful Virginia Tech team uh, in, gosh, what was it, like the 80s? Early 90s? Early 90s. Early 90s? 
Virginia Tech was so successful for such a sustained amount of time, like in a way that is is really unique and pretty unmatched in a lot of ways. The fact that they never got over the top and won a national title, I think in a way is kind of a, a tortured fan base. Uh, I say that as an Atlanta sports fan who watched the Braves win 14 straight division titles and uh, win one World Series out of those 14. Uh, watching, you know, other recent traumatic Atlanta sports experiences, which we won't discuss here, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. Okay. But this point of like getting that close, you know, and reasonably close and being really good, but just not, not quite good enough. I think that's, there's a certain element of torture that comes with that. I've mentioned the Bane quote from the dark Knight rises of there can't be, uh, uh, there can't be true despair without hope, right? When Virginia Tech is winning 9, 10, 11 games a year for 15 years under Frank Beamer, like there's some hope there, right? And at some point it's going to get, you're going to break through and win the national title. And the fact that they didn't, that's where I would argue there's a certain amount of torture there. Although there were plenty of conference titles to go with it. So NC State probably takes the gold there. A ton of conference titles. And, you know, I think with Virginia Tech, you know, at least when I was growing up, we were in the era of really good USC, like Pete Carroll coach USC mm-hmm. uh, for a majority of that time that was basically doing what Alabama is doing with Nick Saban. Now um, they were making their run out there in the old Pac-10. Um, and really with Virginia Tech, I mean, their best opportunity uh, was with uh, with Mike Vick, a quarterback, 99 mm-hmm. into 2000, when they actually played for a national championship against Florida State. Uh, Virginia Tech was a member of the Big East at that time, playing Florida State out of the ACC. Of course, Bobby Bowden um, and Florida State won that game and you know knocked the Hokies out there pretty soundly there in the national championship um, behind Chris Wanky and Peter Warwick, if you're keeping tally at home. A couple of throwback Go ACC. Go ACC. A couple of big-time throwback ACC names there. Um you know, and then you deal with the Miami Hurricanes, uh, who were very good out of the Big East for quite some time, and they were competing for national championships. So there were a couple of dynasties that the Hokies ran into, too, um, both in conference and otherwise, um, that made it very difficult for them to compete uh, for national championships. Uh, you know, once Miami left and, and joined the ACC, you know, Virginia Tech was able to make the run in the Big East there for a while. Um, you know, the Hokies joined the ACC, Miami kind of drops off a little bit. Now the Hokies are, you know, conference champions there for a while and they were making their run, uh, once they joined the ACC, but there were so many really solid teams out West. Um, you know, they ran to Stanford a couple of times in bowl games. Um, you know, I mentioned how good USC was while Virginia Tech never played USC. That was the caliber of team that the Hokies would have been stacked up against. And I, frankly, I didn't like their chances with any of the good teams that they've had going up against the USC team, especially when you consider like the Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush era there. So yes, Virginia Tech's cursed, I I guess, but I think a lot of it has to do with the expectations and whether or not they're realistic with, you know, what aligns with what the fan base is thinking, because I think the fan base at times, like we mentioned with Josh Jackson a little while ago, you know, I think the fan base kind of has unrealistic expectations. I think every fan base does to a degree. Uh, when you're not competing for a national championship every year, you're not Alabama, you know, that the expectations should be a little bit different. I think it's totally fair to say you should learn to be happy with eight wins at most programs in the country. There's probably, I mean, there's probably a couple that you should be winning double digit games most years, you know, look at your LSU and Alabama and Georgia and Florida, like a couple of these, right? Like you should be winning nine, 10 games every year, but I, I'm with you. There's there's a certain element of unrealistic expectations that goes along with several programs in the country, if not most of them. So, uh, you know, something worth worth keeping in mind. But I think that I think it's probably safe to say NC State probably takes the gold here. Virginia Tech probably takes the silver. And after that, uh, it's probably a pretty steep drop off in terms of uh, really, truly tortured fan bases in the ACC. Maybe Miami fits in there at the bronze with, you know what they've endured for 15 years now and not getting anywhere near where they think they should be speaking of expectations. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Miami's the gold standard for unrealistic expectations. I mean, they had fans that 
you know, thought they were a 10 or 11 win team under Al Golden, and they just weren't. Um, they, they weren't coached well enough. Uh, now with Mark Richt there, things have changed. So we'll just have to see if this is the year Miami gets over the hump and actually wins the conference championship. I don't think it'll happen, but hey. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on, Mike. I got a quick one for you. Um, so Andrew sent us a second email that had a couple of questions in it. I'll throw in here the quick one. Clemson just lost a 2018 four-star signee defensive tackle Josh Belk decided after six months he wants out and Dabo Swinney granted him an unconditional release, meaning he could transfer to South Carolina. How am I supposed to feel about this and what the heck happened? I will say without having any insider information, I have a weird feeling that Josh Belk signed, uh, signed this letter of intent and spent a little bit of time looking at the depth chart at Clemson seeing oh, wow, there's like 15 dudes that are as good or better than me that uh, are also on this depth chart. And I, I kind of signed this letter of intent with the intent of playing. And he just decided to cut and leave. Now, I will say, not a great look for you, Josh. Do your homework before signing day. But overall, uh, that's I'm guessing that's got a significant piece to do with what happened there. Yeah. And, you know, if you're Josh, you want to do that. That way you don't. You know, join the roster, not play, and then end up like Hunter Johnson, who now has to wait another year before playing at Northwestern. Um, so that's that's the route that a lot of college kids are going down now. It's I want to play right away. It's an instant gratification society anyway, um, outside of college football. But you're seeing it now within college football. Kids are a lot less patient than they used to be to get their opportunity to play, and maybe that changes now with. Another thing we should probably bring up, Joey, that I'm just thinking about right now, we don't have on our sheet here, um, the new redshirt rules with college mm-hmm. football and the fact that um, you know the NCAA ruled last week that you can now play up to four games um, in a season and still take a redshirt, which I think will change things. I think there will be less transfers because I think players will get an opportunity to play a little bit earlier and get a taste of the field. I think it helps everybody. Um, not to completely change the subject, but I think it does play into this uh, this point here that we're making. Um, I was going to ask, good, good, bad, or neutral? Good, right? I mean, I yeah. think it can only help. I mean, I think especially late in the season, you get a lot of players that are really banged up in the latter half of ACC play. We talked about Josh Jackson earlier, how banged up he was after that Miami game in November. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Josh Jackson is playing quarterback. You're likely going to play him. But what if it was, you know, one of your running backs, Deshaun McLeese, for example, at Virginia Tech, like if he's banged up and you want to start a freshman at running back for a couple of games down the stretch and still hold his red shirt um, and still have the ability to, you know, put the red shirt on him. So he has four full years of eligibility remaining. Why wouldn't you do that? I think it makes a lot of sense from the roster building perspective, too, um, with all the injuries that these college kids endure throughout the season. I agree. And it, I mean, it just makes the most sense. Like it, there's nothing really to gain by burning eligibility. I mean, I don't know if you're going to have 22 year olds out there on the field anyways, like it, why not start them a little bit young, get them a little bit of experience. You know, there's like, it's always been kind of a technicality, but it, I think there's just some, some benefit to getting them out there earlier. I don't know. I don't have strong opinions on this. I think, I think it's a positive thing, you know, getting some experience to guys younger, I'm more so curious to see how coaches look to use slash exploit this rule. Um, are they playing guys early in the season when there's just little, you know, pushover FCS, you know, low scale G5 games going on? Are they using November as like the, the quote unquote September call up period, you know, for college football uh, and, and just playing guys that have previously been in the minors slash redshirting. I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see, and I, I don't expect that there's going to be one overwhelming strategy. I think multiple programs will use it kind of different ways. I'd also be curious to see if some of these, you know, games played get spaced out through the season to some degree. I'm fully expecting somebody is going to get screwed over because somebody keeping the books somewhere is going to read a, a number of a walk-on that they share with a scholarship guy and read it as, oh yeah, he got in the game and there's going to be somebody claiming that rules were broken or something. I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting seeing how it all goes and, and what we all get out of it. But overall, I think a, a positive thing for sure. Yeah. I, 
I agree. And we'll just kind of see see what happens. And it is four games. So wh- whether or not you play for five minutes in a game or uh, the full 60, uh, you know, it counts all the same. So it's not a scenario where it adds up to 16 quarters and, you know, you play 16 quarters, you're good, you burn it. Um, it's if you participate in four games in any sort of fashion. So I, I think coaches will be cognizant of that as well, especially with the skill positions. I'm pretty sure Dante's fourth circle of hell was like the record keeping that comes with playing 14 quarters rather than four games for a true freshman in the NCAA. So yeah, uh, try to avoid that if you can. Yep. Yep. By the way, one other note I'll throw at Andrew on this. How do I feel about this? You know, especially if, uh, and I haven't done any research again on it, whether or not Josh Belk did transfer to South Carolina, but if, and he did, how do I feel about that? You, it's fine. Let him have one. It's fine because Clemson is like the farm of like absurd defensive linemen yeah. right now. If South Carolina gets one. It's okay. Don't worry Clemson's, about it. Clemson's got nothing to worry about. They'll mm-hmm. be fine. They'll be fine. Will Muschamp is the head coach of that program. It's only going to get so bad for you, Clemson. It's yeah, it, yeah. It'll be it'll be just fine if his record at Florida is any indication. It'll be just fine. I I will be damned if Will Muschamp manages more than like nine wins in any given season. Now I think he can develop a somewhat dangerous program, and I'm kind of banking on week two home game against Georgia to like mess with. Georgia a little bit, but I mean, I don't know. I, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Clemson's they're in fine. The, they're in. I mean, South Carolina. We're we're getting on. You know, an SEC team. They are in the SEC East, so they have an opportunity to be okay, right? But I mean, you're not playing Alabama every week, so that helps. Um, or any week, <laughs> so they're not playing them every week. They're not playing them any week. Um, I mean, what that helps. You're not that. One of these teams has played in the college football playoff four straight years. The other one hasn't won their division in five or six years, right? right. Like, it's probably fine. Don't worry about it. You're good. Yeah. Bigger question from Andrew. As I sit here across the pond, I think we should have you all discuss the ACC network and the effects of the newly announced ESPN Plus, the Ocho, will have on the content fans will get to see. By the way, it's not actually called that, but I'm just going to call it the Ocho. It's, it's cool. Yeah, Uh, we're all very used to being able to switch on ESPN, the Fox Sports Regional Network, or watch ESPN to see our teams play. But now with the new conference network and the new subscription service, I think we'll start seeing some more games disappearing behind paywalls that could block some fans' access from watching their favorite teams. I personally just had this problem when trying to watch the Kennesaw State at Clemson baseball game. It was hidden behind. Yeah, I, I too was trying to tune in for the Kennesaw State Clemson baseball game. And um, I, I, I tweeted some angry stuff about it. Let's just say that. Yes. Who can blame you? I, we're, there's a big old club of us, Mike. We're getting jackets. Continue. Yeah. It was hidden behind ESPN Plus, and I don't have a reason to pay additional to watch it. Agreed. Now, so here's the thing, Andrew, is that when the ACC network is released, there's a very important part of ESPN Plus, the Ocho, that they – like. As it relates to college football, they will not be broadcasting any sort of Power 5 games, as I understand it. The the ESPN plus the Ocho TV deal is related to G5 schools and maybe some FCS schools as well. So unless you're also trying to follow, call it, I don't know, fellow South Carolina school, Coastal Carolina. Or Kansas State. It's in Georgia, but sure. Right. Um, (laughs) it's semantics unless you're more of a Kennesaw State baseball fan you know you probably don't need to purchase any sort of subscription to ESPN plus now I'll also throw out there this is particularly related to football as it relates to other sports again all bets might be off here Um, I know the ACC network will make a lot more sports content for ACC teams and that's not just the revenue generators football uh, basketball baseball but it's also, you know, all, all the other sports, golf, tennis, uh, women's basketball, track and field, you know, swimming and diving, whatever. Water polo. Water polo. Uh, I guess lacrosse. Certain yeah. teams play lacrosse in the that's ACC. A that's a sport, right? Yeah, it's, it, sure. Sounds like fun. I would play that. Um, 
point is, I, I think that that's the kind of thing you're going to see a lot more of on ESPN Plus, and they're trying to create some sort of revenue generation model to get people to, you know, drum up interest in it. But I, like, as far as how it's going to affect your, at least your college football viewing experience, probably not much, if any. Um, if you are looking to watch some smaller schools, that's where you'll see an effect, but as for how you'll watch your Clemson games, don't worry. They'll be on eighty at, on ABC at eight o'clock most weeks still. So no no need to pay for any sort of ESPN Plus. Yeah, I mean Joey and I will have a hard time betting like Buffalo against Toledo. Um, you know, hey, what's the spread on that by the way? Yeah, I, that's a good question. A lot of points in that game. Got to do our research here, Mike. Yeah, I know. Um, so we're gonna have trouble betting those Group of Five games potentially. Um, well, no, no problem betting. I'm just a little bit problem watching them. But hey, if it's coming down to a wire, I need to pay for a subscription to cover my bed. I mean, let's get your I, money's worth. Yes, I mean you got to get your money's worth. Plus, I'm a little superstitious. A little stitious. Yeah. You know, so I'm a, I'm I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Yeah. We'll, we'll go there. Yeah. That's so corny. It is. <sighs> Mike. Uh, what what else? What do, need, what do we need to hit on here? We got it. We've been at this probably about 40, 45 minutes now. We got a little bit of time. I don't know. Is there anything you wanted to catch up on? Yeah, we can hit on that UVA tweet real quick. Ooh, you got it. You got it pulled up. Yeah, so I'm I'm working on it right now. Um, so I love this. It's like it's like he re- he committed to. Hmm. I'm trying to think of a really prestigious academic institution that does not have particularly good sports wow. like he committed to uva it, it is it is like he committed to uva imagine but not the basketball program or right. baseball or right. lacrosse right only literally the only sport they're not good at football just um, football. <laughs> yes but, but don't tell don't tell chase chalmers that quote i committed knowing that the academic programs at uva are top notch and that the football program at uva is quote a powerhouse within the acc oh that's cute Nobody told him. Hey, that's okay. Hey, congratulations to him for getting his college paid for. Um, now that he has his college paid for and all his books paid for and all that, maybe he can open one of those books and read up about Virginia's, I don't know, bowl record, uh, record in the ACC, uh, general track record of the football program, um, the number of times consecutively they've lost to Virginia Tech, um, the, the score of their bowl game last year, uh who what else since we're we're busy triggering virginia fans i was going to bring up that virginia was actually the number one team at one point in 1990 and then scott sisson hit a game-winning field goal georgia tech beat him 51 48 went on to win the national title (laughs) whoops sucks sucks yeah sorry uh yeah that's that's cute uva fans will be in joey's mentions like oh but you didn't see what happened last year Come get it. I'm at after us, Joey. Yeah. I saw it. I know it happened. Yeah, I was, knows what happened. We don't need to relive it. I know. I was there. I, was, I wasn't actually there, but I was watching on TV and getting unreasonably inebriated because I couldn't handle the reality of what was going on. It was a tough but, year last year, Joey. We're, we're on to newer and better things in 2018. That, right? All they call that, Mike, is just being a responsible adult, I think, is, is what that boils down to. I so. agree. I mean, I'm drinking on Saturday anyway, so I might as well, you know, wallow away when my team's losing. Yes, I agree. It should be therapeutic. Yes, it, be therapeutic. it is anyway. So, hey, why not? Right, um, Mike. I so one of the things that I was thinking about recently are and, and are you a big like TV guy, big Netflix guy? I am. Yeah, big TV, big Netflix. I'll be turning on Netflix right after this actually. Okay, what are you, what are you going to be turning on when you go to Netflix? Uh I've been binge watching The Office again. Um it's a classic. I have to binge watch The Office whenever I get the opportunity. Um You said again? Again, yeah. How many times has this happened? Again, uh multiple. I mean, I've I've watched The Office all the way through all the way through probably two yeah two or three times all the way through um and then random episodes here or there like if there's really nothing on tv i'll throw on netflix and just like watch an episode of the office uh i'm a big that 70s show guy it's a throwback i know you were going to bring that up um that's what i've been binging lately yeah 
it's it's a it has a bad laugh track which kind of bothers me a little bit but everything else about it is great like i really i'm just a fan of the show and i watch watch that all the way through and it's surprisingly old now like i was looking at um you know when you look at the credits i mean the, the show started in the 90s yeah it did the the it's funny that you mentioned the bad laugh track like in and of itself it's not a like a good or authentic necessarily sounding laugh track but the pacing and like placement of it is actually pretty spot on yes like i, I find myself laughing along with it and it's like it's actually pretty perfect uh, I, I, agree. I completely agree with that see my my ideal binging show is a a 30 like a sub 30 minute comedy that i don't have to pay like a ton of attention to that i can you know surf twitter or you know send some emails or do whatever. Like I can kind of do that with that on the background. Yep. So that 70s show qualifies. The other one that we did in college, we binged uh, how I met your mother. Excellent. 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 Except the problem was that we, we binged it and we caught up about halfway through season seven, Oh, which is, man, that is a lot of binging to then have to wait for a week on the final episodes to come out. So that, that kind of sucked. But other than that, um, and the I final season, of- the final season wasn't particularly good either. It was just like a long, long drag out. Yeah, that season, that, that, that show went on probably two seasons too long. It wasn't great. Right. I agree. Um, so I don't know. Um, it's, other than that, I, I'm not the biggest binge watching shows guy, especially because a lot of the really good ones out there are hour long episodes. And I don't know if I have that kind of attention span or how many of them are so like just good and enthralling that they keep me up like engaged. So I tend, what I tend to do is I'll watch like a full season and it'll be kind of binge style. I'll watch it over a week or two and then I'll like stop watching it for like six months. I did this with house cards. I did this with Narcos. I'm doing this with the wire, like all these different shows that are pretty fantastic, but like they just take a lot of effort to watch this. That's not really what I, I actually binge in the way that I do some of these shorter, just, less attention drawing shows, if that makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree with that because a majority of the time when I throw on Netflix, I'm doing something else while Netflix is on. So it needs to be something that I've seen before that's going to hold my interest, relatively speaking, where, you know, if I'm sending some emails for work or if I'm screwing around on Twitter or on my phone, like I can look up every now and then, know exactly what's happening, but then go back to my phone or to my computer and go back to what I'm doing and not really worry about missing anything. Uh, it's really hard to binge watch things nowadays just because uh, my job life is so hectic. And then when I shut that down, I don't really want to necessarily watch a show where I really have to think a whole lot, to be honest with you. So like the 25 to 30 minute episodes of comedies, those are my go-tos on Netflix for sure. Uh, because I want to have something that essentially helps wind me down at the end of the day, because that's really the only time I'm able to watch Netflix, at least nowadays. If you guys have like binge-worthy 30-minute comedy shows, please let us know on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel CFB. Uh, I'm always looking for more of those. I'm not that big of an office guy. I think I'm, I'm mostly just not that big of a Steve Carell guy, at least in that kind of role. I know that there's a lot of people that absolutely love it, but it's just not as much for me. I think there's other characters in the show that I kind of like, but I've just never caught on to the office that much, but things like that 70s show, how I met your mother. Some of those things I think are pretty, uh, pretty fantastic. So anything along those lines that you guys really enjoy that also kind of fit in that vein, uh, I, I would very much appreciate knowing what those are. Uh, so hit me up. There you go. I don't know. Mike, what else? Anything <laughs> you say? I don't know. Um, no, not really. I think I'm good. Has this has this been like okay practice for the just like screw around, no planning, talk about whatever show? I think so. This is like a warm up. We got to do that at some point before we actually get into previews, right? Yeah, because that's coming up too quickly. Uh, it's June twentieth right now. Um, mm-hmm. we're coming up on this quickly, and the season's really—I don't want to say right around the corner, but we're getting there. We are getting there. We're about only a month out or so from the ACC kickoff for what that's yeah. worth. I know. And there'll Countdown's be, on. There'll be some fun news and notes and some useless banter coming out of there that we'll cover, of course. So we got that going on, season previews. We've thrown around maybe top five, 
positional previews potentially. We don't know how we're going to do that yet. We're still we'll kicking that around. We'll get creative. Um, it's a long off season, folks. It is. So we're going to do the best we can to provide the best content we can until there is actual content here in the next month or two. Absolutely. And first of all, we are super appreciative to Andrew Parker, who has submitted these questions and kind of helped us to keep going. I'm continually impressed, Mike, that we find a way to go for like an hour, like um, every month or more than once a month on college football. And it's like June. Like we haven't had any college football news really at all to speak of in like months. and. And, and we're we're able to go for about an hour here, just a week and a half after we did our last episode. So I think that's that's awesome, and I'm glad we're able to do that. And hope you guys enjoy. Um, if you have things that you'd like to hear us discuss, college football related or otherwise, please uh, send them on in, uh, and, and we'll tell you the the email address here in a minute. Mike, anything else before we uh, start the wrap up here? All set. All, All right. Set. Well, if y'all do have things that you want to hear us talk about, the email address you can send it to is basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it, sir. Yeah. Uh, it was a little out of order, actually, but thank you for uh, the, the attention. I'm trying to catch you off guard and see if I can catch you catch a nap in here, but no, you were, you were on top of it. Yeah, I'm killing a spider. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. A, a Richmond spider or just just a regular one well i had, I had to clean up after uva because they couldn't beat the richmond spiders hey dang got him got him like umbc i'll tell you what oh man man yeah that's uh that's tough that was a tough bet for me that was man. uh you know like screw me for betting on a 22 point favorite for like, a what are you doing for oh. a one speed that's never lost to a 16 seed before you should. You didn't go UMBC money line on that. I know it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, that is unbelievable. Wish I could remember the odds. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the good old fashioned UVA trigger episode. So we'll uh, we'll make sure to tweet it or uh, uh, title it that way. Yeah, Miami Miami's next. So don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you. Absolutely not, M- uh, Mike. They can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. You can find us on Facebook, but in order for you to find us on Facebook, I'm actually going to have to post our podcast there, which I didn't do last week after we recorded our um, last podcast. Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find most of our podcasts there. And if you're lucky, you might find all of our podcasts there after I post both last week's and this week's. And then we'll That's be right. If if you're not finding our podcasts because they're not posted to Facebook, uh, first of all, I'd recommend finding us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or the Overcast app. But second of all, come on, you like it more than that. Like you right. you, you you can go hit the subscribe button. You can go hit the uh, the rate button on iTunes. Whatever you want to do, come on. Yeah. You, if you really want to find us, you'll find us. That's right. Because Mike, they can also find us on YouTube. Yes. Oh, our last video had nine views, Mike. <laughs> I did not go look at it more than like twice. I don't know how many times you did. Zero. Zero? Zero. All right. Zero times. But hey, you know what? We don't want to make it sound as sad as our YouTube views are. We do get more hits than that on the actual podcast. But we just want to let yeah, you know we that we, we are on YouTube. So we just want to let you know. That's right. You can come. You can come watch us talk about stuff. You can see what kind of shirt I'm wearing, what kind of pit stains, pit stains I got going. You can go see what kind of you know hat Mike's wearing. The whole thing. Like you can see that if you want to. It's it's your call. We want to make sure this media is available to you in whatever form we can get it to you. Yes, I agree. Neat. Neat. Okay. Neat. Cool. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. I think we're good. Um... You know, we'll try to do better the next time, as always. Mike, I, I don't know when we're going to come back and do this again, but I feel like it's going to be in a, you know, a, a time period shortly after I am a groomsman in an Indian wedding. Oh. In which I am the only white groomsman in an Indian wedding. So I will make sure to Ooh. report back on my experiences of doing that because that'll be a first for me in several different ways. So it, it, it might be a first for them as well. <laughs> I mean, yes. To be perfectly, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so we'll have to hear all about that. 
Yeah, I, I went Indian clothes shopping on Saturday, actually, and I got some good stuff. So maybe I'll post a picture to the Basketball Conference Twitter account. And you guys can see what I look like in, in uh, Indian proper garb as a, uh, a a white boy born in Kentucky. So He's never been so out of place. Mm, I'll think about it. I might have been. I'll come up with something. Okay, cool. Uh, that's a topic for next podcast. When have you felt most out of place? Hell yeah. I like it. Let's do it. All right. Mike, we'll talk then. Cool. All right. Well, for those for those still listening, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.